everyone and welcome to this week's His Film, Her Movie. I'm Jordan. And I'm Lauren. And together we are the podcast that answers the question, to what lengths will one married couple go to to make the other watch some films that they love? In every episode we choose a different cinematic topic and then each choose one film that is relatable to that topic, creating a nice little double bill. Yay! And... What is, Lauren, Yeah. the topic this week? Um, this week the topic was comeback movies. Comeback movies. So those films where directors, actors could have been shunted or in the shadows. Yeah. And this was the film that brought them back into the, the limelight. limelight. <laughs> yes. And what is the film that you chose this this week? So I have picked the two thousand and eight iconic film Iron Man number Iron one. Man. Yes. Which before people come for me, I know it wasn't Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback film. No, I mean he did come back in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but Iron Man really is when he hit the stratosphere. This is where again. everybody knew he was back. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why I've picked it. It's not officially his comeback, but it's his world comeback. Absolutely. And I've chosen Birdman, or the unexpected virtue of ignorance, the Inaritu movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one best picture mm-hmm. in 2014, I believe. And it pretty much brought Michael Keaton back on the map. Yeah. So then, I mean, before we get into the, the meat and gravy of the podcast... Mm-hmm. We always go into what's been keeping us entertained over, well, we say seven days, but we've been recording the last couple of weeks. So what's been keeping you entertained since we've last recorded? Um, well, we've watched Loki. We have. You Loki might, you is might, now finished. You might have guessed. We are a Marvel household. We are. Um. So, yeah, we watched that. We watched, so we're recording this on the Thursday. We watched episode six yesterday on yep. the 14th. I have now been watching everybody lose their minds on TikTok for the past 24 hours because it seems like nobody is happy with the ending. I liked the finale. It did everything. I mean, no spoilers, obviously, but... It, it lined everything up that it, it needed to line up. It absolutely lined everything up. And it, it, it completely put in place what is going to be happening within this phase four of what Marvel's got planned. I get why people are mad because they're like, it's this, this, is, this TV show is about... Loki, mm-hmm. it would have been quite good to maybe get a little bit more about him because you get quite a, you, you kind of know more about Thor. Thor is the big guy, you know, his weaknesses, you know, his strengths. You've seen him go from, I always say, crazy, not overacting, but that's how Thor is, over the top. Yeah. To being a broken character, to doing all kinds of, you've seen a big thing over the films. But you don't see really a lot of what makes Loki tick. And I think that would have been quite good. When Okay, episode one, you, you see things that have happened. Yes. And that happen in the future films past this point um, from when this is set. It would have been quite good if in that bit we could have seen some of like memories of Loki when he was younger. Okay. Little things like that. See, I I don't really care about that sort of stuff. I, 
I think this gave a very good redemption arc to it, the Loki character, and it, it gave him. He already has a redemption arc. <sighs> he literally he helped save Asgard, and he sacrificed himself to Thanos. I say I don't think he sacrificed himself. I think he got killed. Yeah, but like he still like tried to help. See, but but I think it gives him a bit more of like now he can be seen as a hero, whereas before he was still a villain who would try and fight the bigger villain. You know what I mean? I don't want Loki to be a hero. I don't. See, I don't. Well. I think that is definitely the way he's going. He he's a Marvel hero now, mm. absolutely hundred percent. I think. I just feel like he's he's the god of mischief. He's never going to be a proper hero. No, he'll be an anti-hero, but I don't think we'll ever see him doing villainous stuff again. The only bad stuff that we'll ever see him do is against bad characters. Do you think? Yeah. Or or be playing or like doing. Your lighter mischief stuff that will wind people up, but it won't be anything that is murderous. I still think, even if we had a little bit of like that flashback, like they talk about it in Ragnarok, and Thor's like, he turned it like I picked up a snake because he knows how much he likes snakes, and then he turned back into himself and went and stabbed me. That would have been funny to have, like. Little things like that, things that we know, but like little Loki stabbing his brother would have been quite funny. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, I mean, I said so I like the finale and the entire show. I think it looked fantastic. Yes, everything seemed to tick the boxes. Yes. Owen Wilson kept on going well, mm-hmm. um, and the way it, everything unfolded regarding the timekeepers and things like that. I think they dealt with the mystery rather well. Yeah, I think they did. In, in a, it was only six episodes, so it was... They had a lot to pack in in did. six episodes. It didn't feel like they were rushing things. Everything was explained. Absolutely. Which and I think is very good. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. It, well, I know, actually, no, I do like it. I am just a massive fan of Loki. And mainly Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice for me and some of us other Loki stands just to get a little bit more of Back like... story. Yeah, the Loki that we all sort of fell for to begin with. A little bit of what made him tick. Because then you can see yeah, 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 more of how he's grown since then. So it's interesting as well because technically the Loki that people fell in love with isn't this Loki? Oh, no, he's not. Totally not this Loki. It, but Tom Hiddleston's gorgeous, so it's fine. <laughs> he still looks like Loki. He does. He looks like a slightly more weathered Loki. Yeah, he's one of those where you can't, you can't see him doing this role in 10 years because that no. hairline will keep on it's going a wig. back. It's not. He does. He wears a wig. Well, I think he actually wears extensions because when you see him doing his charity work, oh, yeah. he has the hair. Well, he's worn a wig for it previously because oh, yeah. he said it's a wig in some bits. Um, it, yeah, he's also because because he's quite slender face. It's gonna wrinkle up that. Yeah, we always say you don't get any wrinkles in a balloon, and that boy isn't—he hasn't got any fat on him. No. So yeah, you're right. I can see them maybe doing like another season, possibly a third. 
Possibly. But I, th- you might, you I might... don't think they'd get any more because if you think of when when did the original four came out? 2010, 2011. Yeah, like it's a, decade, a, decade, a decade, decade ago. ago. It's one of those things where you've got to phase people off. It's phase people out. It's, for example, to, we'll, we'll get into it with, mm-hmm. with, with, with Iron Man, but Tony Stark just aged himself out, even though at the end he wasn't doing any of the stunts because it was all CGI, the suit. But it's freshening it up. Yes. I mean, Chris Evans probably could have done it for another... Five, six, seven years because he was he's still technically quite young. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's the evolution of it all, and I think this phase, especially as we get Shang Chi and the Eternals. Um, I think you'll get cameos. I think you'll get flashbacks. I think you'll get things like that. But we're getting new superheroes. Where I think the the superheroes that we know mm-hmm. will over this phase, maybe the start of the next one, completely. I think, the, I think the only exception to like the aging rule is one, Scarlett Johansson constantly looks amazing. Yeah. And Chris Hemsworth doesn't look any older. And I think it's because they gave obviously Thor had like long hair to begin mm. with. And then they give him the short hair in Ragnarok. So that sort of like yeah, it's a bit of a change. That, and I think the fact that he is just so carefree. That man has no stress. Yeah. Like, you see his Instagram, he's just by the beach, surfing and eating barbecue and having a whale of the time. Like, all the time. He has no stress. He's doing a job that he loves. Um, So I just think that <laughs> maybe he is actually Thor. Maybe he just doesn't <laughs> actually age. But keeping on the Marvel. Yes. We went to the cinema. Yes, we did. And we saw Black Widow. Yes, we did. What did you think of Black Widow? See, now we discussed this when we left. Um, parts of it I really liked. I really liked the fact it was directed by a woman. I liked the story behind it. I liked little things like a hair bobble or a hair tie, whatever you want to call it, is a very key piece of equipment that you see very briefly at the start and then literally is continuous mm. throughout that which I think is amazing because I break hair bubbles constantly um, what I didn't like and I think especially now that we've been watching Loki special effects were not as crisp as other films even as the TV shows there were parts in that where oh what's his face Ray Winston. Ray Winston. I was like, this is so obviously a green screen. Like, is it rendered? Like, it just wasn't, it just yeah. wasn't like rendered well, as well in. And then when you look at something like Loki and it's like, this is amazing. He looks like he's on a completely different planet. He's fighting this and he's doing this and he's doing this. Like, everything about that looked better made. And I felt a little bit cheated in some areas where I looked at it and I'm like, I get it's very heavy CGI, and I get it's like the things that they physically would not have been able to do. But then you look at how they did Iron Man and Iron Man films. Even I feel the one that we're going to talk about today, there was parts of that were rendered better than that was parts of Black Widow film. I think they did a little bit of 
disservice to it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, regarding the way I think it's a bit, little bit different with the the later Marvel movies because this is the CGI. The only time I really noticed it was in the final act because yes. it's so explosive and like when they're falling and things like that, and, and obviously things you can't film. Things like that. Obviously, can't chuck Ray Ray Winston out of a plane. No, and whereas the later Marvel movies were very CG heavy, yes. However, most of them took place, especially if you think about Infinity War and Endgame Mm -hmm. and and Guardians and Guardians Two. They take place on other worlds, and even where End the Finals. Battle of Endgame takes place on Earth. Mm-hmm. The environment has been so altered mm-hmm. that it doesn't look like Earth. It looks like a completely different planet. So I think it 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 hides in plain sight in a way. Do you think it's like the Uncanny Valley? Yeah, sort of thing. I, th- I think so. Don't be wrong. I don't think the budget for Black Widow would have been anywhere in no. the same sort of region of that. But the thing is, for me. I enjoyed the movie. I liked the family dynamic of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, David Harbour was brilliant. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I really liked Florence, uh, Florence Pugh as Yelena. Mm-hmm. Again, brought a, a, a sense of humour and a wit to that, where Black Widow, you could have think, think it could have been a bit dour and a she's bit a, she's, serious. She's a serious lady. Whereas, and it's just like silly scenes, like the thing about the vest and the, it, the pockets and how... how she likes a lot of pockets. Yeah. I really, like, those little... It made it, you believe that they were sisters. Absolutely. It made you believe that they had a relationship previous because it's the same sort of stupid stuff that me and my sister would talk about. I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know you love this because, obviously, look, it's great. And I, I know that that's stupid conversations that we've had hmm. before. Yeah, and... I mean, Ray Winston is terribly, and I mean terribly <laughs> miscast. So it's like I didn't know they had um, East London in Russia. I think I could probably it, do a better, a better Russian it's, accent it's, than him. It's it, 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 it's baffling that somebody said, "Yeah, Ray Winston fallout role." I, I don't get it. It does take you out the movie at times. I think he paid somebody. No, I said, well, they probably paid him quite a lot of money, uh, quite a lot of money, but. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I said I enjoyed the the chemistry between everybody. The story was fine. It's just the fact that it's how inconsequential it is. Like, if this happened when it should have happened between yeah, what Civil War and whatever film came after that, yeah, brilliant. But it would have been a good filler. It would, yeah. It, it would, would have been like, well, what, what, what? You knew that she was like. We well, we knew she went on the run, and we knew she turned up at, at a certain point. I was like, yeah. well. Okay, well, let, let's just... And we know uh, what happened. It yeah. fills in some gaps. It, 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 for me, it's sort of like the thought, oh, we owe one, but how? Well, she's dead now. How can we do that? It's because David Eisner is no longer with Disney. <laughs> David Eisner did not like doing uh, superheroes that were women and has publicly came out and said that girls don't buy superhero stuff. Hmm. He leaves. Black Widow gets greenlit. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I did enjoy. It. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was bad. It was like a seven out of ten. Yeah. Um, which, which is fine. He's doing very well. 
Yeah, he did it. I think he did sixty million on premium access alone. Yeah, which is brilliant. And I don't know what he did with opening weekend regarding it, cinema. It did. It did well in the cinemas I read as well, so, which is really good. Obviously not. But people are missing, pre pre COVID, but yeah, post COVID, it's done well, very very well. People are missing a Marvel. It was the first Marvel movie you know over what two years. Yeah. So I mean, we've got a fair few coming in the next few months. I have to tell everybody. Yeah. You told me and our friend that we went with that there was no post credit scene. No, I didn't know if it was a post credit scene. You made scenes. up, made us get up and leave because you were like, "Why would there be a post credit scene?" No, no, I, I, you. I, that's what you said. I, to never, I did not say there was. Did. I was like, "I can't bother waiting for it." You did not. You said, "I don't think there'll be one because this one is out of sync," and then I go on YouTube. And I find that there is a post-credit scene yeah. that links it to Hawkeye, Ho- Hawkeye, and also um, uh, the Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Yeah, I mean, I know the fact that she, um, Florence Pugh has been cast within the Hawkeye TV show, so she'll turn up in the Hawkeye TV show yeah. on Disney Plus later on this year, I think. Yeah. Didn't let us sit, stay and watch it. You said there was no one. I would have stayed and watched it. We weren't going anywhere. We're going home. <laughs> have you been watching anything else? We've been watching Shit's Creek again. We have. We started Shit's Creek. It's just delightful. It's a for me. It's, it's a happy. It's a happy. It's a happy place. TV show. It's mm-hmm. we finished. What did we part of? What did we finished recently? Parks and Rec. Finished Parks and Rec. We finished The Office again. Yeah. And um, we finished Angel. Yeah. Very so, disappointed with that. I know. I'm, I know. I'm about fifteen years too late. Very disappointed with how that ended. Yeah. But yeah, Shit's Creek is just lovely. It's it's a proper hug of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing that I really want to talk about is I went to the cinema on my own. Yeah. To watch the the latest. Installment of the family drama of Dominic Toretto, Fast Nine or Fast oh. and Furious Nine. I'm not sure. Or as I'm calling it, Fast and Furious in Space. Yes, they that's do how space. I've been telling everybody what it is. And as soon as I say that, they go, "They went to space," and I go, "Yeah." Well, two of them went to space. That's all you need to know. Ludacris and Tyrese Gibson. Ludacris went to space. You didn't yeah. tell me that. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> so, and the thing is about fast movies, it's you don't go for the family drama. You don't really go for the story. You go for the action. As I say, you go for the acting. No, unfortunately, <laughs> um, and there's a, too much acting in this film as well. There's too much character stuff. There's too much interaction. It's like I, I, all I want is exploding buildings, exploding cars, fast I, cars, pretty ladies. Yeah. And it delivers some of that, but there's not enough of it. So it Do wasn't they the best one. Aliens? Is that why they go to space? No. Okay, because then they could have done like drag racing with aliens. No, they have to have. They have to destroy a satellite. So they they go to space in a car. I'm sorry. They go to space in a car. Yeah. Are they Elon Musk now? It's a car with a massive rocket on the back of it. I feel like they're literally just taking... Do you remember the Wacky Races as a kid? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like they're just now going, well, let's go back to like the 70s and watch wacky, wacky races. Because didn't Dastardly and Muttley have a like a rocket car? Oh, they must have. Oh my god, they had a car. So, so yeah, Fast Nine. It's, it's if, if you like the fast movies, you'll get something out of it. If you don't, then you won't. It's simple as that, really. I can't wait to tell the girls. You know, the Fast and Furious in space, and they go, "Yeah," and go, "They went to space in a car." <laughs> I really wish that you'd told me that earlier because that just sounds ridiculous. Oh, so should we get into the main part of the show? Yes, otherwise people can get annoyed with us. Should we start with Birdman? Yes, we can start with Birdman. We will have a clip and then we will come back. Let's go. Walk. Where are we going? Get you some coffee. Did I do something to disrespect you? Not yet. Look, I have a lot riding on this fucking plane. Oh, is that right? Yeah. People know who I am. My Bullshit, they, they don't know you, your work, man. They know the guy from the bird suit who goes and tells coy, slightly vomitous stories on Letterman. Well, I'm sorry if I'm popular, Mike. Popular. You know, like, I don't give a shit. Popular? Popularity is the slutty little cousin of prestige, my friend. Okay, I don't even know what the fuck that means, so... Well, yeah. it, 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 it means my reputation is riding on this, and that's worth a... A, a lot. A lot, exactly. Right. Fuck right. you, yes. If this doesn't work out for you, you fuck off back to your studio right. pals and dive back into that cultural genocide you guys are perpetrating. You know, the douchebag's born every minute. That was P.T. Barnum's premise when he invented the circus, and nothing much has changed. And you guys know that if you crank out any toxic piece of crap, people will line up and pay to see it. But long after you're gone, I'm going to be on that stage, earning my living, bearing my soul, wrestling with complex human emotions. That's what we do. Oh, so that... Is that what tonight was about? You wrestling with complex emotions? Tonight was just about seeing if it's even alive, seeing if it can bleed. No, this isn't the backlot rigging. This is New York City. This is how we do things. Where are you going? They have coffee here. So, yeah, Birdman, the inner E2 movie. Um, well, Birdman, all the unexpected virtue of ignorance. And, like, I actually thought, originally, before this episode that I was going to pick The Wrestler, mm-hmm. um, Mickey Rourke coming back in The Wrestler. Now, the only thing that didn't, well, the only reason why I didn't do that is because it was his comeback, but it was also, he didn't really come back. He got The Wrestler, then got Iron Man 2, and just disappeared again, which is a shame because, I mean, he delivered a fantastic performance in The Wrestler. I just However, know him from Breakfast at Tiffany's. No, sorry, not Mickey Rock. Mickey Rooney, that's I'm Mickey Rooney. Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that a lot of work done? He could have been him. <laughs> They're all called Mickey, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just picturing Mickey Rock now in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Well, he's had a lot of work done. I don't know what yeah. his original face looked like. He was, he was a pretty boy. Really? Like back in the 80s, like nine and a half weeks... Barfly, and then he gave up acting, became a boxer. Yeah, it was a decent enough boxer. Destroyed his face. Destroyed his face. Then did not much in the two thousands. Came back with the wrestler, but said his career didn't take a leap after it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. whereas I think Michael Keaton's has. Yes, he came back and he's not. I mean, I won't say going strength for strength, but he's back as a leading man. Yes. 
So Birdman is the story of Regan Thompson, who is a washed up actor and was once Hollywood, well, was, was once part of the Hollywood elite, uh, being the lead in the popular Birdman superhero movies. Mm-hmm. And now, in a final attempt to not only get his career back on track, but to be taken seriously as, a, as an act, actor and as an artist, he's putting on a theme production on Broadway where he is lead actor, writer, and director. And the film depicts the final week or so before it premieres on Broadway, um, the theatre production. Now, it's a bit of an unusual film, because, and it's, that's one of the traits that make, I think makes it enjoyable and entertaining, because you have the obvious stylistic choices made by Inaritu and his cinematographer, Emmanuel Lebetsky, mm-hmm. with the choice of the filming in an extended one-shot approach. Mm-hmm. So there's no noticeable cutting. You've got, yeah, you've got something so bold, and it's what that adds to the movie. And not only the, the, the one-shot approach, but what's a, it's the ingenuity of this, the, the choreography of it all, mm-hmm. um, the mechanics that's required, um, the timings, because the admin that is just needed for a film when you're going to take on a t- um you're going to undertake something like that so it's not only the style like stylistic but it's the, the energy that it brings because the film is about putting on a play it's putting on a theater production and mm-hmm. the energy you get from a live performance now so when you're doing it in one shot you are completely buying into that energy because it feels like theater because yeah. you, you aren't cutting from close up to close up it, it's fluid and it's just continuous. And so you hadn't seen this movie before. No, I hadn't seen it at all. So what What was the thing that stood out most to you? Um. So first of all, I did like the film. Yeah. I thought everybody's performances were really good. I kind of just was like writing stuff and then trying to make sense of it. Like, did he actually have powers? Did he not? And I know that's very open-ended mm. where it's left. Um, I was also writing, like, does Edward Norton character have powers? Because I thought he was psychic. And then that's how he was getting the lines, that he just knew the lines straight off because he was reading them out of uh, Michael it, Keating's head. Yeah, it sort of explains that regarding how he knows the lines because obviously he's, he's with Naomi Watts' character and has been helping her get off book. I know, but so, like, I I didn't know that until yeah. like when I wrote it. Yeah, it, it's, it's but it's like one of those things. It's like that, that fantasy element of it. Like we start, and he's floating. Yes. In midair now, it's you've got this like sort of duality of, of characters, haven't you? With Keaton, it's like it's, mm-hmm. you've got Rigan and you've got Birdman. Mm-hmm. You've got Birdman who is very has the Batman voice. Did you notice? Well, not his Batman voice because he doesn't really have a Batman voice in his Batman. No, but, but he yeah, has, he has a gravelly. He has like he has what we now know as being like yeah. the Batman voice. Um, I I actually noticed, and of course, this then like reverts back to my film. Mm-hmm. At one point, he slags off Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. He actually does. So that means they're in the same universe as Iron Man. Yeah, but. That means 
that they then erase the original Hulk film with Edward Norton because Edward Norton is not <laughs> Edward Norton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Marvel have kind of erased the first Hulk film. Kind of. So I, I, I was quite amused at that. I thought that was quite <laughs> funny that um, they basically erased Edward Norton's Hulk. Um, sorry, went back to that again. Um, I loved... One of one of my one of my my favorite line that I wrote down was you confuse love for adoration, mm-hmm. which I thought was really powerful because he is very he seems he seems quite very narcissistic. He's very driven, but he's driven by the thoughts of other people. Well, absolutely, um, and like wanting their love, their approval. Um, everything like that. So I thought that was very good. Um, I loved Emma Stone in it, playing his daughter. I also enjoyed the fact that when this was set, she has very obvious just taken off Pinterest tattoos. If you like sort of Google white girl tattoos, she has them um, to the point where she has like a bird flying. And I was like, I have seen that so much on the internet. Mm. So... I like that sort of thing because I felt like they really sort of like looked into the characters and be like, what would these characters be like? It's not just um, like style, like wardrobe choices or anything like that, but women of her age would be attracted because that, that sort of thing was very, very popular when this film came out. Absolutely. So I like the fact that... It looks at the cliches of, yeah, of those does. people because... It's it's one of those things where most of these characters are cliches of themselves. We've got the egotistical mm-hmm. actor who has had popularity, mm-hmm. but now he wants to claim. Yeah. And how those two can be seen as different and how both of them have these branches of ego mm-hmm. of, okay, I've got, well, he's actually broke, but he's, he's had the money and he's had, he's been top of the, on top of the pile where he's, yeah. now he wants to, bleed for his craft and then we've got sort of ed norton's character who and again it's like we're playing with michael keaton as well mm-hmm. it's because he's coming back and we can talk about again how the similarities between this and iron man um not really in story or in theme or anything <clears> like <throat> that but keaton we're talking about a not a washed up actor who played a superhero early on in his career mm-hmm. and he was Batman. His career then, it was quite big in the 90s and then early noughties. Really to this, he was still in movies, but he wasn't Michael freaking Keaton. Yeah. And the thing is, the one thing that got me wanting to choose this film is we did Trial of the Chicago 7 mm-hmm. a few episodes ago. And I was just saying, like, it's such a shame that he had that lull in his career because he came back and... He was in two Best Picture winners in three years with this mm-hmm. in Spotlight. He became one of the most memorable Marvel villains, mm-hmm. probably below Thanos and Loki. Mm-hmm. He really did bring a sinister edge to Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, he did. One of the reasons why that film works so much. And now he is going to be Batman again. So in the new Flash movie, and so like his his career has gone around in circles in a bit, but he's 
he can be seen as back as as, as a Hollywood elite, and I, and I like that. And so Emma Stone, this was the first movie I think that I clicked on to how good she was. Yeah. Because she'd been in a few things, and she's quirky, and I like her. Mm-hmm. Like, Easy Year, Crazy Stupid Love, mm-hmm. House Bunny, things like that, where she's quirky and charming. Yeah. But this was a different level to it. She can play her. darker. Yeah. And so going on to Ed Norton, he's even playing with the idea of his persona, of how he's hard to work with, and his method, and how it's more based on frailty and yes. weakness than a positive like he ha- he has to be a character because himself is not that interesting yeah and, and, so I, and I do like that it's it's just so it's it's full and brimming with energy it's like so it's the one shot and the you, jazz music the jazz music and the jazz yeah. music adds so much because it adds this feeling of improvisation to urgency. it all urgency absolutely yeah and it is it's mainly drums it's like your heartbeat you're getting excited you're feeling the agitation throughout of it um i really enjoyed it it was a bit of a weird film i kind of saw what was going to happen at the end yeah a it, while like a while off yeah it sort of telegraphs it in a way but i said the only thing that i couldn't really get on board with is that the critic character mm-hmm. not, not because i've been a critic in the past but it's just Did the fact that you take it personal Jordan? well not at all it's just the fact that they she was kind of a caricature she of, was just totally gatekeeping yeah and, and that, that's what i didn't like and although i do see the angle that you needed to have somebody validate him at the end who who was against him mm-hmm. saw what he did and then gave him what he was wanting, gave him that acclaim and that little bit of an arc. But the other thing is also, given that it is a one-shot thing and we're moving through everything, I say, I want to say a set, because there was some sets, but it was filmed in um, a theatre on Broadway, at the St. James Theatre on Broadway, and just the like labyrinthine corridors and how you don't really ever know where you are until you're somewhere. It's like, how the hell have I just got here? Yeah. It's steps which lead to nowhere. I would really do like that, that angle to it. But, yeah, it's a film that I haven't seen in a few years. And it can be a little bit preachy, but it's also not too preachy on either side. It's not like a... Art is so important because it also says art is bullshit. Yes. It, it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, and it's, it brings up that, uh, that idea of where does art end? Because life has got to go in there somewhere. But yeah, I, 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 said I, really, I really did enjoy it. So it's in Arita, this was his first. He, he won Best Director mm-hmm. two years in a row. So he did it for this and then Revenant. And yeah, I, 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 it's a film that it's an experience, and that's what I think is worthy about it. Yeah, I definitely. And so Michael Keating is wonderful. Oh, he's so like, believable all the way out. His absolute passion and everything. And that's it. He just gets that dishevelled, always on the edge quality so damn well, and he bounces off everybody perfectly. I mean, especially Ed Norton's character, mm-hmm. and it's. 
because you can see that he, he he's a bit jealous of him and a bit jealous of his talent. Because I say when they do fight first meet, and Ed Norton just going off book and he's, he's talking about the text and just feel it. Don't act. You see what he maybe wants to be. Yes. But no, Birdman, very, very high recommend. Definitely, definitely recommend it. Should we move on to Iron Man? Yes, I'll get my notes ready for you. Cool, we will have a clip and we'll be back with Iron Man. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to Film Bastards, a podcast where three friends, two of them married and two of them podcasting life partners, chat everything from new releases, trailers, news, and an eclectic mix of other film goodies. Oh, and many, many, many tangents. You can find them by searching your podcast provider or check them out on Twitter and Instagram by searching Film Bastards. You never know, you might like it. And if you don't, well, we don't really give a f- is it better to be feared or respected? I say, is it too much to ask for both? With that in mind, I humbly present the crown jewel of Stark Industries Freedom Line. It's the first missile system to incorporate our proprietary repulsor technology. They say the best weapon is one you never have to fire. I respectfully disagree. I prefer the weapon you only have to fire once. That's how Dad did it, that's how America does it, and it's worked out pretty well so far. Find an excuse to let one of these off the chain, and I personally guarantee you, the bad guys won't even want to come out of their caves. Your consideration, the Jericho. So I've said this is Iron Man 1, 2008, directed by uh, John Favreau. It actually got 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's really, like, really, really high. It's like 7.9 on IMDb. I have to admit, it took me a long time to watch this. I did not watch this when, it, when came it came out so it came out what 12 13 years, 13 years ago. ago so it came out when i was 20 mm-hmm. 20 i can pretty much guarantee i did not watch this until i was about 24 Oh, so it wasn't, it wasn't that long. <laughs> no, but like, you know, ah, but, for a big franchise... Well, the Avengers were probably already out at that point, so... Yes. So it took a while for me to sort of get into this franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said Robert Downey Jr., uh, John Favreau's in it, Clark Gag, Greg, uh, Jeff Bridges, Gwyneth Paltrow, Terrence Howard and Paul Bettany. Yes. Make up the lovely cast and as we all know by now this is the origin story of Iron Man and how he kind of came to be Mm. but whilst we were watching it I was thinking very much about the Iron Man that we were first introduced to and the Iron Man that we ended up with at the end of Endgame. Endgame absolutely everything 
And I know that this is... He, Robert Downey Jr. has been in this for a long time. But I really feel it shows how much he sort of embodies the character. Um, but also the growth that the character has. Because if you first watch Iron Man, I'd forgotten just... He is an awful person. He's chauvinistic. He is just the epitome of a playboy. He's got the cars. He's got the women. He's got the money. No one can bother him. No one can say, no, you can't do that. And nobody can say that to him because he just doesn't care Mm. about anybody. He doesn't really have any empathy or anything like that. Whereas if you look at the Iron Man at Endgame, people can say... No, you can't do that. But he he will understand the situation more. Mm. He kind of looks at a much bigger picture and then weighs up what's right or wrong. Whereas this Iron Man is like, hmm, you said no, I'm going to do it anyways, just to annoy you. He's that kind of person. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's one of the... I mean, you do get that arc within this movie of the Playboy to, you do. to, to the, you to the do Iron Man. You do get but that I, I do get the idea of... You see his stubbornness. I mean, mm-hmm. the stubbornness does carry on because that's what the whole idea of well, civil war... he has role. more to back up the stubbornness. Oh. He has the experience, he has more knowledge, and he has more skill. When he's backing up his stubbornness now, he's just backing it up as, I'm rich. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, do you know what I really like about this movie? And I didn't really think about it. And most of my notes mm-hmm. are, are about what comes after and this being the first film because this came out the like i think like five weeks six weeks before the incredible hulk oh did it yeah so this was a, obviously the first marvel studios movie it was the first movie that took us on this journey yeah and what i really like about it is just how much that first scene mm-hmm. where we see tony in the Humvee or whatever it yes. is. Yes, yes, love in, it. No gang it, signs. Yeah, it, it it felt different. Yeah, and it it just sets up the tone not not only of the film but of everything mm-hmm. that comes after it because say it's it seemed to get the source material and mm-hmm. like every single not every single but more superhero movies before that seem to have this feeling of earnestness about it where yes. straight away we've got a film that has a sense of humour. Yes. And it was like, oh, this is new. And so that's continued throughout the, the Marvel movies. Yes, some are more serious than the others, mm-hmm. but it's not so much a tongue-in-cheek or taking themselves seriously, but the films that will make you laugh as well as thrill you yes and especially i am mad but i am mad and it's, it, that's not really the film it's robert downey jr yes I, I completely agree he when he comes out with the line at the end and i'm skipping to the end yeah. he goes i am iron man that is literally robert downey jr for the next like decade and a bit mm. he was iron man yeah he was. He embodied the confidence, everything else that was Iron Man. 
Yeah, and I think so. It was, but I think I, I think they brought a hell of a lot of Robert Downey Jr. into Iron. And don't get me wrong, I think he's a great Tony Stark. Because Tony Stark is like that in the comics. He, he's mm-hmm. he's a he's a playboy. He's, but the comics he even looks like Robert Downey Jr. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, um, it literally and, looks like it looks like they've just got Robert Downey Jr. to draw this guy's face on him. But, but Bye. The, and that's it's strange to say. I'm look. You always look back when you've got this start of a huge what 20 something movie franchise it mm-hmm. starts with this and it's a testament to what is probably the the most important casting choice yes in modern blockbuster history oh definitely because and, it, and it's funny when you look back at it because it was a risk to cast him yeah at this time and not only a risk to cast robbie Downey jr but to have iron man because iron man it wasn't well known. Well, it, he, it, it was, but it's it's not. It was well known in the comic book, but he wasn't a pop culture staple. Yes, that's what I mean. Um, so yeah, it's 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 so interesting because because it's it's down his film, and it's just like uh, Michael Keaton in Birdman. The, the MCU doesn't work without him. No, not at all. And it doesn't be as successful without him. And no. it's just how important that is. that choice from John Favreau to no. This is the guy. Because in the early 90s, he was arrested, drugs, yeah. alcohol, everything. He was in jail. Yeah. And, well, again, talking about Birdman, talking about Keaton's mirroring of career and whatever, it's just the fact that you've got this guy with new inhibitions mm-hmm. at the beginning. And his character arc is accountability and responsibility and how his life went mm-hmm. like that. And it just works. It does. It definitely, definitely does. Um, it's quite funny when you think about who they were thinking of casting. Like um, Tom Cruise mm. was suggested. Could you, Tom Cruise? To, to, really? Tom Cruise would have. I mean, that's a, that would never, have never have happened. But um, but like, if, I think Nicolas Cage was also thrown out. Oh, Nicolas Cage. Well, I'm not sure. Nicolas Cage was going to be Superman for a bit. Now, I would have paid to go see Nicolas Cage as Superman. If you've seen the things on YouTube, like the tests. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it just looks so weird. I totally <laughs> would have been like, yeah. But you're right. Robert Downey Jr. is, he is Iron Man. He is the Marvel franchise. Yeah. This was the first self-funded Marvel film. Yeah. Um, I actually I actually watched something quite interesting recently, and they said about how um, Robert Downey Jr. got sixty six million upfront for the films because um, lots of people were saying, "Oh, it's too expensive! It's too expensive." What they paid him for Iron Man was less than what his going rate was. So, did you know in his contract for every Marvel film, even the ones that he's not in, he got a minimum of 5% of the bookings, the box office bookings. Really? Yes. Even the ones he is not in. Thor, 5%. Um, Captain America, minimum 5%. Yep. I've seen it on quite a few things, and they've said that, like, you know, because it was like, People saying, oh, he's too expensive and he's too this. But they said, no, this is how much he got paid for, like, the first film. It was under the amount that was, like, his rate. This was built into his contract, which is crazy. But at the same time, if you look at things like... I really want to say, like, I read some of the, like, Ian McKellen did something similar. 
with um, Lord of the Rings. No, what it was with Who, Lord of the Rings. What was it? Because I, I'm sure because I've read it was. Um, so Ian McKellen wasn't the original cast for Gandalf. It was mm-hmm. they went to Sean Connery. Again, weird choice, but yeah. It, it said Sean Connery at the time it would have worked, but I mean, I don't think Ian McKellen was better, but hey. But I think they offered him like fifteen percent of gross as salary. Yeah. So that 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 franchise made three billion dollars. dollars. Yeah. So he would have been paid what four hundred and no three billion. My math is horrendous. Ten percent of three billion is three hundred million. Yeah. Then five percent of that is. Well, then half, half that. It. So, so it would have been £450 million. Yeah. Can't be right. I don't know, whoever, whatever. Um, but he it, got paid a shit ton of he, money. He would have if he took it, but he didn't. Yeah. I'm like, what a terrible... I'm telling you, Sean Connery didn't need any more money. No. But, yeah, so it was, it was like that. But, so Iron Man, what, so what this got right... Because the thing is, Iron Man, and we can get into the movie now. Mm-hmm. Again, it's my opinion, but... It isn't a brilliant movie. Oh no! It's it's a good movie. It's a very it's a very good, very fun movie. Mm-hmm. But it's not the best Marvel movie. But what it did was, it got the blueprint, and it got the template that Marvel could then exploit and exploit well. Yes. To create what it is now, which is this juggernaut of a film of cinema, mm-hmm. and like Downey Jr. is is central to that because it's when we talk about chemistry. Mm-hmm. In films, it's normally a, a leading couple or a friendship or something like that. There are not that many actors and characters that has chemistry with every single person they are on screen with. Yes. Instant chemi- chemistry with Rod and um, Rody with... Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. with, with, with Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, he, he even has chemistry with the freaking robots. Oh my god! I, I I'd forgotten about the robots. I had forgotten how goddamn cute those overprotective, slightly slow robots were. They're like his children. Yeah, and it's so stupid. They are literally just like a claw. On like a moving, on like a rumba. And you're like, that's very cute. Because they blast him with like <laughs> fire retardant spray. They don't want him to get hurt. <laughs> and that continues throughout the entire, every film that he is in, he has chemistry with everybody. And everything. And he's so, he's so enigmatic and charismatic and watchable. Mm-hmm. Again, which makes the Marvel movies working. It's why he was the leader of the gang. Yeah. It's 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 one of those casting choices, which is just like, you look back and it's like, like the risk paid off. Definitely. You could see it being risky, but could you imagine Marvel films without him now? Like, I think you could probably look at quite a few of the other actors and be like, okay, yeah, I'd probably... Change them for this person and change them for that person. I don't think you really change out Robert Downey Jr. for anybody else. No, it's, it's, Marvel wouldn't be where they are today without 
Robert Downey Jr. being cast as Iron Man. It, it just wouldn't. No. I, I really generally don't. And like him and Chris Evans. America's ass. Yes, America's ass. <laughs> is just brilliant. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, there are other heroes out there. Like I like the Ant Man movies, but and I like Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, the man who doesn't age. Yeah, but Love anybody, him. anybody can really play that role. Anybody can play Hawkeye. Anybody can play I have to agree with the Hawkeye. I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit more about him in the upcoming films and exploring that character more. But at the moment, he's just a dude who shoots arrows very well. Hmm. He does have a history. I know, but we haven't really explored that history. That is true. Everybody wants to know what happened in Budapest. We find out a little bit. In Black Widow. I know, we want to find out. We want to find, we want to, we want to see a film based in Budapest. Oh, we won't do that. It's mentioned so much. We need some flashbacks. We need something. I am a half a law. I like to know what's happening in the background. You're a half a law. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like to know the history. I want to know what the thing makes is though. People... We're like law. I know you're meaning L O R E, but it just seems like you really like the legal system. I love the leak. <laughs> put the bad people away. <laughs> Compensate the innocent. Yes, I like to know. I like to know why. It's like I don't want to watch a horror film, but I... why does Freddy hate everybody? Why does he want to kill people? Because he gets burned. See. He has his own law. I want to know the psychology behind it. See, Why did they go to space in a car? Because at the moment, not a really big amount of... Like, just, just you've stolen millions of cars in these Fast and Furious films. Just steal a rocket. It can't be that much harder. It's a rocket. But, see, see, for me, I don't... I don't really care about that. I say, you know what I mean. I, I like the ambiguity of not knowing and of making it myself because generally, what whatever's in your mind mm-hmm. will probably be better than. I know, but this is where I feel like they've done Iron Man really well. You get so much backstory to Iron Man throughout the rest of the films. You find out more about his dad and the relationship that he had with his dad and the clues that his dad left for him to make the arc reactors and then you get to go back in time you actually see him and see them interacting and then him you know them going i want to be different with my child and doing all you get all of that and you get like you get a full person with robert Mm. down jr as iron man and yes i know it's because he's had the most amount of films and he's been it for the longest amount of time but you can literally sit and watch the films and just look at the films on face value and yeah. enjoy them. Or you can be like, do you know what? That harks back to like the first film and they were talking about this and but the thing is, that's I, I, what I like. And going back to watch this, these movies, and well, this movie in particular, it's really hard not to... I just contextualise it with how it influences everything else. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like... It's it's a decent superhero movie. It, it felt it felt different from what came before. Jeff Bridges has an absolute wonderful bald head and an even better beard. Um, oh, I've just realised that he doesn't norm. He's not normally bald. No, 
He's a dude. He has a why, why has that taken me so long he to realise? It's a very, very nice skull. He does have a good, he's a good shaped head. He does. And like the beard is lovely. But again, it's like, it's one of those where he's a bit of a forgettable villain. But yeah. put, like as on paper, but put Jeff Bridges on the, in there and it gives him a little bit of gravitas to actually In his elevate evil uh, Iron Giant suit, yeah. which just is the Iron Giant. <laughs> it is. And nobody can tell me otherwise. He went, I'm going to model after the, after that cartoon. That is what I'm going to look at look like because he does. And, like, yeah, I'd, it's, it's, it's decent. But, again, it's just when you, when you watch it now, and especially, like, so we watched it yesterday, it's the nostalgia that I didn't know I had for it started creeping in. I feel like we should. We need to watch everything. It's like seeing Agent Coulson pop up for the first time. Love that man. It's seeing the, the Ten Rings being mentioned, which yes. comes back in other Iron Man movies. And God, we're going to have Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hearing Jarvis. Paul Bettany is Jarvis. <laughs> the man who filmed, who literally recorded all his lines in two and a half hours and didn't actually know what he was recording it for. And that's it. And that now he is a fully fleshed character. I love the fact that he was just like, "Oh, I've got a really easy job," and now he gets in full face paint. Yeah, and that's it. I think it's it just gets a balance of of character and story. The story doesn't have to be. The thing is, yeah, once you've when you've got somebody who is so watchable, the story around them doesn't really matter all that much. Yeah. It's because you're so magnetic towards Tony Stark. Yeah. And like just watching him eat, put, a, eat a burger at yeah, one point. He's entertaining. Yeah. And it's just seeing him spitball one liners, watch it all day. Mm-hmm. And it, it's superb how he does it. So the action is decent. The Iron Man suit even now kind of looks all right. I think he looks pretty good. There's bits of it where, but as we discussed, there was more actual physical. Suit. However, we will talk about one scene. What? Which is like the chest cavity scene. Which oh my God, I, I remember that watching so... that back in the day and be like, how, how, like that looks incredible, and now it looks terrible. He has no nipples he and has, he has no pecs. Yeah, it's it, it's it's weird. Ridiculous. It's very weird. Um, and you also feel a bit sorry for... Well, not sorry, but you feel bad for the decision that Terence Howard made because... Oh, I know, because he literally looks at a suit and he's like, next time. And I'm like, no, baby, no next time. But it was his fault he wanted more money and he said no, so they just get rid of Don Cheadle. Why is that his fault? Because you wanted... We said... He, he, he saw how much it grossed. Maybe he deserved a little bit more money. Maybe he didn't. But we I mean, don't know. The thing is, with Marvel, everything's structured. Yes. So therefore, he would have signed a contract to say, you've, you sign a six-picture deal, you get this for the first one, this for the second, this for the third, this for the fourth, blah, blah, blah. So he must have yeah. asked for more outside of the contract. Um, And also, it's just how much. Like John Favreau, he made this, made the template, made the blueprint, cast down a junior. Yeah. As happy. As, and he's in there as happy. Yeah, it's just how important he is. Well, to to Marvel, but also now to Star Wars. Like he's hands down 
really invigorated that franchise with the Mandalorian to a stupid amount. Like I just love the fact that like you see him and he doesn't really talk a lot. And he just got like just stands on the sidelines. And then as the films go on, he has more and more and more to do, and well, wait, he becomes like well, wait, again a, becomes like a fully fledged character. He's a proper supporting character in Spider Man Home, Homecoming, or, or, or Far From Home, which which was Homecoming. Home. It's about well, either one. He starts dating Aunt May, doesn't he? Or so, at some point, yes, he does. So yeah, it's it's so interesting going back and watching these, well, this movie. But yeah, it's it's hard not to contextualize it from where it went. But yeah, it, it, it's good. It's not great, but I enjoyed it. I would really like to watch everything. They're all on Disney Plus. I know, and we have Disney Plus. We do? I would really like to watch everything in the order that it's supposed to be watched in. But that, including like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and things. No, bollocks to that. Good. I'm not watching the t- I've, I've tried again to watch Agent Carter and it's just not holding my attention. Um, but no, all the films. Right. I think we should watch all the films in the order that they're supposed to be. So, what you start with? I you start with Captain, Captain America. America. Oh, you mean start as in chronological order? Okay. Chronological order. So yeah, you start with Captain America, then you go to um, Captain Marvel, and then Iron Man, the Hulk. We'll figure it out. Figure it out. There'll be something online. Oh, if somebody it. has it, please send it to us. Um, because, yeah, I think that would be really good. Well, it's a great would. nostalgia thing. It is, it is. And I said Phase 4 will be starting. Well, it actually has started already because the TV shows are actually part of proper... Well, even though Agents of Shield was part of canon, but these, like I said, Loki is genuinely massively affecting what we're going to be seeing in movies, which is which is good. Yes. But is that it? That is it. Awesome. So, yeah, we are back um, next week. Yes. We're going to be doing heist movies. Heist movies. So, get in touch. Go to hisfilmhermovie.com. Mm-hmm. Hit any link that you want. We've got our Twitter, our Facebook. <laughs> any link. <laughs> We've got um, our Discord, which you can follow. Come in, have a chat, um, and let us know what your favourite heist movies are. Yes. And Please do. That's about it. We might as well just say goodbye. Goodbye. And see you next week. Bye. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. <laughs>